Thank you so much, Rabbi Feinberg. And a thank you to Torah Academy. Thank you to Rabbi Draymond, to the PTO for getting this set up. Uh, there were some hiccups along the way, but it's an honor for me to be able to share some words of Torah with you this evening. I personally, I can speak on behalf of myself and the community here, we have an endless sense of Hakara Satov to the yeshiva, to Rabbi Feinberg, and to the administration, the leadership, all of the Rebbeim and the Moros, really just for being a source of inspiration for the entire community, for being a destination for our children, for the majority of them, and for the relationship that we've had throughout almost a decade. The hospitality of the yeshiva, allowing us to dwell within your campus, has been a game changer for our community, obviously. And I look forward to Mitzvah many years working together, um, continuing the partnership. As was mentioned, the Shir this evening is sponsored by Mrs. Betty Goldberg and the Goldberg family. Ilui Nishmas, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, Rabbi Ephraim Zalman, Bev Rabbi Yisrael Osher. And Mitzvah Shem, the Lima HaTorah we do this evening, should be an ilui to his very heilig in the Shama. If we were to ask ourselves the question of what do we want the most? Here we are, we're davening, Rosh Hashanah, Sarasimei Tshuva, Yom Kippur. If we had to choose one thing that we really want the most above and beyond anything else, what would that one thing be? So the Rabbi Yisrael Salanter tells us, when we look at what we want and what we need and our desires, and there are many of them, the greatest desire we have is the desire to live, the taivas achayim to be alive. It's the most visceral, instinctual, basic human desire that we possibly have. We would give anything in the world every penny that we own, all of our assets, just to live another year, another day. Life is the greatest blessing. There's a story of a, of a man who was having a lot of sorrows. So he went to his Rebbe and he was complaining that life is rough. Parnassah is difficult to make. You can barely pay the monthly expenses. I have three daughters in Shaduchim. It's not coming easy. And he went on with a whole list of all of the many sorrows that he and his family were experiencing. And the Rebbe said back to him, my bracha to you is that you should continue to have many troubles throughout the rest of your life. And obviously he was taken aback by that bracha. But the Rebbe explained, he said, when you have many things to worry about, that means there's nothing really, really big that's all-encompassing. When there's an issue of life and death, then you don't have many problems, you don't have many sorrows, you only have one issue to deal with. So my bracha said the Rebbe is you should have many issues to deal with, but our greatest desire, our most instinctual need is to keep on living. And this is one of the most common themes that we speak about in the davening. We bring it up, the insertions in Shmon Asrei, we have two places in the beginning of Shmon Asrei, and two places at the end of Shemot Asrei, we scream out, Zachreinu l'chaim, melech hofetz b'chaim, Hashem, remember us for life. 
You want us to live. We want to live for you. And then again we say, right, who is like you? Please give us life with compassion. And then at the very end of Shmonasrei, the other two insertions sound pretty similar, but we don't just say Chayim, instead we say Chayim Tovim. Inscribe all of us for Chayim Tovim, for good life. And at the very end as well, in the bracha of Sim Shalom, we again ask, V'chol Amcha Beis Yisrael, L'chayim Tovim U'l'shalom. So although asking for life is our greatest desire, and it makes sense this should be the theme of Aserius Mechuva, leading up to Yom Kippur, what's somewhat troubling is the fact that we inject these ideas in the middle of Shmon Asrei. And it's troubling for two reasons. First, we have a klal. The Gemara tells us there's a guiding principle when it comes to the halachos of tefillah, that in the beginning of Shmon Asrei, and at the end of Shmon Asrei, it's not appropriate to ask for bakashos, to request anything from Hashem. The beginning of Shmon Asrei is about shevach, it's about praising Hashem. And the end of Shmon Asrei is about hodah, expressing our gratitude towards Hashem. In the middle, we have that section for bakasha, for expressing all of the things that we need and we want, Rafua and parnasa. But yet when it comes to these insertions for Zachreinu Lachayim, that's in the beginning and the end. The two places where the Gemara tells us, don't ask for anything. So that's somewhat strange. And what's also difficult is just why do we start off the first two, we only mention Chayim, but the last two towards the end, we ask for Chayim Tovim. Are we getting more picky as we go along? We don't just want to be alive, we want Chayim Tovim, we want good life. How do we understand that distinction between the beginning of Shmon Esrei and the end of Shmon Esrei? So I want to share with you a very powerful idea from the Tzlach. The Tzlach was one of the many svarim written by Rabbi Cheskel Landau. Rabbi Cheskel Landau was one of the greatest minds of the 1700s. He was probably most well-known for his true Sefer, the Noda Yehuda. Why was it called the Noda Yehuda? parenthetically, if his name was Rabbi Cheskel? So his father's name was Yehuda, Rabbi Cheskel ben Yehuda. And his Sefer and his true svarim were, were called Noda Yehuda. That was a kavod, that was in merit of his father. And then his commentary on the Gemara was called the Tzlach, which is an acronym for Tzion Lenefesh Chaya. Chaya was his mother. So what a beautiful way of honoring one's mother and father by writing these level svarim. He writes in the Tzlach as follows. He says that, what are we diving for whenever we say the word Chayim? There's two forms of life. There's a biological existence, which means a human being is here and conscious. But then there's also something called Chayahanefesh, which is a spiritual existence. It's possible to be biologically alive, but not spiritually living. Writes the Tzlach, The main thing we have in mind, we turn to Hashem during these awesome days and we ask for life, it's not about the Chaye Shah. It's not about our time here in this world, but really it's the Chaye Nitzchim, it's the Nitzchim, the eternity of the Neshama, the spiritual existence. That's our main focus. 
And Rabbi Cheska Lamna goes on to say, he says, Achai v'reyai, my brothers and my friends, if we get written down and sealed in the Book of Life, which in Mirza Shem, we will all be there. That's wonderful. But being alive is not sufficient. Im yesh lidog shi'achayim shel chayim. We don't want, we don't just want chayim, we want chayim shel chayim. We want a life of spiritual vitality, not just the life of being conscious. Therefore, many of the Mepharshim explain that in the beginning of Shmon Esrei, when we say, Zachreinu l'chayim, Micha Mocha, who is like you, we ask just for life, that's a reference to the most important thing in the world, which is spiritual vitality. And therefore, there's no need to add tovim. By definition, if we're asking to be alive in a spiritual sense, that is good. All we have to say is, we want that life. At the end of Shmona Esrei, we add in our physical existence. And within the physical world, we know there are many different types of, uh, of issues that come up, many different circumstances we find ourselves in. And therefore, because we're davening for our physical well-being, we say, Chayim Tovim, we want a good life. Why do we care about being alive biologically? Why do we care about the most basic level of functioning? So the Peleyoitz explains and this is what we find in the Rambam and many others. We do live in a physical world. And although the Iker, although the main focus of everything we do, when it comes to our personal growth, when it comes to raising a family, when it comes to relationships that we try to develop, it's all about the Ruchni's connection. That's the goal. But we have to make sure we're healthy, we're taking care of ourselves. So when we're davening for life, both spiritual life and even physical existence, it's not a selfish pursuit. It's not, please, Hashem, I want to be here for the next Super Bowl. That might be nice as well. But the main goal is I want to be alive to be able to live spiritually. And in that sense, it's not a personal bakasha. It's not a violation of what the Gemara tells us. Don't put in your own requests in the beginning of Shemon Esrei and the end of Shemon Esrei. This is L'Shem Shemayim. This is L'Man Chelokim Chaim. We want to be alive for one reason and one reason only, to be able to continue being Obdei Hashem. We find this idea in a bracha that I think for many of us might be difficult to relate to. And this is the bracha of Mechaye HaMesim. The second bracha of Shemona Esrei, we daven that Hashem will bring back and resurrect the dead. Now, obviously, that's referring to one of the 13 principles of faith, that we believe Ben Shalema on the right time, HaGadosh Baruch Hu, will be Machayi Mesit. But explains the Yaris, the Vash, Rabbi Yonas and Eifshitz, what we have in mind as well when we daven HaGadosh Baruch Hu will be Machayi Mesit, is those of us who are alive right now biologically, but we're not thriving, we're not living in a spiritual existence. Machayi Mesit, Awaken us, bring us back to life, which is basically the same concept of Zachreinu L'chayim. Mechai HaMesim is not just bring back those who are no longer with us, but those of us who are here, who are Mirza Shem, going to be sealed in the Book of Life. We still ask and daven three times a day, Mechai HaMesim, if it's for me, if it's for my family, if it's for the young man I know who's struggling with his Ruchnius, Give them the life, give them the spirituality, give them the inspiration they need to have a spiritual existence. 
my relationship with Rabbi Goldberg, Zechat Sadek Lebracha, and some of the discussions we've had together, the one thing I picked up on right away was his holy obsession with being Machaya Mason, being able to spread Torah, being able to analyze the Torah scene, the level of education, and always wanting more, always feeling that he could be instrumental as he was from the very beginning, like Rabbi Feinberg mentioned, but always wanting to be Machai Mason to share the Torah with so many thirsty Jews. He had that holy obsession. What I'd like to focus on briefly is let's define our terms. What exactly does it mean to not only be alive biologically and physically, but to be alive spiritually, right? The main goal, our matara, what we're davening for is zachreinu l'chayim, chayi hanefesh, chayim shel nitzchiyiz. What does that look like practically? What does it mean to truly be alive? So I want to share with you a deep idea from Rav Chaim Friedlander. Rav Chaim Friedlander was initially one of the young Talmidim of Reb Dessler. And when Reb Dessler was still living in England, he would come and travel to Eretz Yisrael. Reb Chaim Friedlander in the Panovich Yeshiva was part of that Chagura. He was part of that group. And he had a very strong connection with Reb Dessler. To the point that when, whenever Reb Dessler would go back home to England, he would always have Reb Dessler write over his shmuzin, his divrei Torah that he would share in the yeshiva and send them to Panovich. Chaim Friedlander writes, the definition of Chaim, Chaim Amitim, to truly be alive is as follows. Hasheifa v'harotzon hei mahusa Chaim u'bituyim. When one has an ambition, when one has a ratzo, and I have this, this longing desire to keep on growing, to get to the next rung of the ladder wherever I am, that she'ifa itself, that yearning to keep on growing, that's what it means to be alive spiritually. He kol'od yesh adam she'ifos, as long as I keep on wanting, as long as I keep on having a ratzon, harehu chai baruchnias then I'm really alive. Dahainu, which means kasher yesh adam she'ifos ruchnias lis alos b'torah. When I'm not complacent and I'm not satisfied where I am, I have a sense of pleasure at my accomplishments, and I can look back and feel gratitude for accomplishing so much and getting to where I am now, but I don't want to stop here. I want to keep on going. If it's within Torah learning, if it's within my relationships, my tikkun hamidos, hu nikra chaye chaye ruach. That's what it means to spiritually be alive. That's chaye haruach. Wanting more, never being complacent never feeling satisfied with what I did yesterday, that is the description of truly being alive. That's the vitality of the soul. I had a good friend. His name was Dr. Richard Hart. He was a non, non-observant Jew, grew up in Williamsburg, and had somewhat of a negative experience when he was younger, and therefore never, never felt comfortable with the religious world. Later on in life, when he was already in his later 70s, we, we met by chance 
Obviously, there's no such thing as chance, but we happened to meet. And he was a big name in the field of, um, it was therapy in general, but hypnosis in particular. His specialty was hypnosis. And at first I was very skeptical, but he was telling me the process of self-hypnosis, what it means, how it could change the way we think, how it could change patterns of machshava. And I was intrigued because it sounded very similar to what we learn in the, the school of Musr and Musr Behispilus, Musr meditation. So we schmoozed about, I shared ideas with Musr with him and he shared ideas of hypnosis with me. He always wanted to, to hypnotize me, but I never went for it. I was always too nervous. I didn't trust what I might say under that state. Towards the end of his life though, one thing that I respected greatly about him is he had a very strong, stubborn rutzo. And when he wanted something and he felt it was the right thing, he would fight tooth and nail to accomplish it. Tragically, he had a heart attack and his children, his daughter who was very close with him, she called me up and I met up with him. It was at the Boca Regional. And he was on a respirator. Obviously, he was not able to communicate at that point. But through many different conversations with the nursing staff and the doctors, at first they were very much trying to encourage the family to pull the plug. And unfortunately, this is the, uh, the mantra of the medical world, have compassion upon him, you know, let him, let him die peacefully. But it sounded like there was no need for that at that particular time, and the family said, we're not ready. A few days passed, and he did regain consciousness to some degree. He was never able to speak, but they gave him a whiteboard, a whiteboard and a black marker. And I'll remember the scene for the rest of my life. He picks up the board and the marker in his hand, his hand is shaking violently. His eyes are barely open and he takes the marker to the board and he writes, my goal, colon, to live. It was barely legible, but it was clear what he had in mind. That was his way of saying, don't you dare make me leave this world until I'm ready. My goal is to live. And every Aserisa I think of standing there in that hospital room with his family, with a man who was as stubborn as nails, with a rutzon that was ironclad, writing down on that whiteboard, my goal is to live. That is our goal as well. Obviously, we need the Chaye Shah, we need the physical, biological existence, and we daven for that. That should be Chayim Tovim, it should be good, it should be pleasant, we should have what we need. But the goal is to live Chaye HaNefesh, Chaye HaNefesh, meaning having a She'ifa, having a constant desire to keep on growing no matter where I am. Is there actually a Torah obligation to feel this way? It's a wonderful Midah. Said to keep on growing. It's a quality of B'nai Aliyah. But is there actually a Torah obligation? And the answer, according to the Rebbeinu Yonah, is yes. The Torah tells us in Parshas Nitzavim, that we are commanded to choose life. And the Rebbeinu Yonah says, 
Here we have a mitzvah say in the deraisa. Here we have a Torah responsibility to choose life, but he doesn't really explain what that mitzvah is. How am I mekayim the mitzvah of What does that look like? It's, it's contrary to the Mishnah. The Mishnah in Perkyovos tells us, Bal that you're alive against your will. There's so many things that happen in life. The fact that we're here, we were never consulted. We were brought into this world, and now we're alive. We didn't choose this. So on one hand, the Mishnah is telling us, Al this is not something that, that we're choosing to experience. This is just a reality. On the other hand, the Rebbe Yonah is telling us that there's a mitzvah to choose life. So what does that mean to choose life? So although the Rebbe Yonah in the Sharei Tshuva, the Sefer he's more well known for, although he doesn't explain what exactly that mitzvah is, in his Sefer Sharei Avodah he does. And there the Rebbe Yonah writes as follows. This is source number nine. He says, Bechol yom v'yom, every day, Yosef omets lizchazek halalos mimida lamida mimadrega lamadrega bavodes boro. We should try to engender within ourselves a thirst, a need to keep on growing from one madrega to the next to serve Hashem with more authenticity, with more sincerity. Yachmod osav v'yasava aleha. And I should not just want it intellectually, but I want it emotionally. I, I want to be drawn towards it. And he writes, even if I can't get there yet, even if I'm maxing out my potential right now, I'm hitting my ceiling presently. The mitzvah of Ubacharta Bachayim to choose life is to keep on wanting more, even though Alpiderachateva, even though naturally I can't attain more right now. I can't do more than I'm possibly doing. But the one thing I can do is want more. There's a phrase that's often quoted that's not a chazal, but it's attributed to the saying of Bechida. That nothing stands in the way of Ratzam. When you really want something, nothing can stop you. Now, it sounds like a motivational idea. The question is, is it really true? There are many things that we want in life, but based on a variety of factors, it may not be realistic. I'll share with you something that I've, I've shared before, that when I was 15, 16 years old, I really thought one day I'd be able to slam dunk. I just assumed that's part of the development process. And although I was a shorter Jewish fellow, I figured it's one of the things that we'll be able to do in the future. We keep on playing ball. We keep on having a good time with our friends. I'll be able to dunk eventually. So needless to say, it's been many years since I was 15. And tragically, I was never able to slam dunk. So I have a kasha and the chida. How could he say, Ein hadavar omid That's not always true. So I remember seeing from one of the Ger Rebbe the Rebbe said that the Chida didn't mean practically you could always accomplish anything you have in mind. That might not be the case. The Chida's point was, nothing stops me from wanting more. Ein hadavar omid bifnei means 
Keep on wanting, keep on yearning, keep on being thirsty, keep on staying hungry for more. That nobody could take away from you. What you'll actually be able to accomplish, only a Kaddish Baruch who knows. But the mitzvah, the Raisa, the Torah obligation of Ubacharta Bachayim is keep on dreaming. Keep on dreaming. Rabbi Goldberg was thoughtful, he was introspective, he was never complacent. And although he accomplished so much here in Boca and beyond, and he did, he was Mekayim, the mitzvah of Machaye Mason, on so many, directly and indirectly through the strengthening and the creation of Torah institutions. He was Mekayim, the mitzvah of Bacharta Bachayim. He was choosing life every single day of his life. He was a dreamer. Sometimes, though, a person could be a dreamer, he could have a vision, but it's a very far road between having the idea and actually rolling up your sleeves and working hard to accomplish it and bring it to fruition. He had that unique duality where he had the vision, he had the dream, he was Makayim, the mitzvah of but at the same time, he wasn't just a dreamer, he was a doer. He was able to get things done and get things done in the most graceful and beautiful way. This is what it means to live Chaye Nefesh. This is what we're davening for. Meaning, we turn to Hashem and say, please help us want more. Zachreinu Lachayim, we want to live a spiritual life, uh, have the vitality to thrive in Ruchnias, that means we're asking Kaddish Baruch Hu, please help us to continue wanting more, to stay alive spiritually. Davening for this itself is transformative. Even before HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers our tefillah, just the realization that having this in mind, as we say the words, Achreinu Lechaim, can transform the very people we are. Reb Chaim Friedlander writes in the Sipsei Chaim that tefillah amitis, when we daven with sincerity, it's a gilui obitui l'she'ifos ha'panimias ha'amuko shel nefesh ha'adam. It's an expression, it's a revelation of the deepest thoughts and feelings that are within me. Ha'mishonos es mahusam ruchnias, and by expressing these desires to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that expression itself brings me closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm pouring out my neshama like Chana, who's the paradigm of tefillah. She said, Ve'eshboch es nafshi. I'm pouring out my neshama, meaning I'm expressing my ultimate desire. I want to live physically, but I want to live spiritually. I want to continue wanting to come closer to you. But I think there's one last step to practically try to enhance that feeling of wanting to come closer to Hashem, of being Makayim the mitzvah of Bacharta Bachayim. How do we define life? Usually we look at life as a unit. If people are younger, they see life as uh, many years ahead of them. If people are older, they might see life as many years in back of them. There might be more yesterdays than tomorrows. There might be more tomorrows than yesterdays. We don't know. But life is always viewed as a unit. Says Chaim Friedlander, and this is an idea that's so incredibly simple, but if internalized, can be life-changing. 
He writes, there's no such thing as life in the way we usually think about it. Life is zman, is time, and zman is achshav, and time is now. Life is just now, and now, and now, and then the accumulation of all of the nows, that equals my life. There's no such thing as a long, drawn-out unit of time. Life is always right now. That is the secret of life, to appreciate that every moment defines life and defines who I am now and who I will be for the future. That means everything we do is really painting our masterpiece. Who will we be? That happens in the here and now, in this conversation, in this interaction, in how I respond and how I react. It's a realization that every second makes my life. I'll share with you an incredible story I heard a few months ago from a family in Lakewood that there was an older woman who was recently widowed and she moved to Lakewood to be close to her family. However, it was during the uh, the highest point of Corona and speaking to many people in Lakewood, I spoke with the head of the Hebra Kedisha in Lakewood. It was all in Venora. It was beyond belief what was happening. So at that point, she was no longer able to leave her assisted living facility. She couldn't be with her children and she was gonna spend her first Pesach in total isolation with no friends and no family. There was a family that lived very close to this uh, assisted living facility where their backyard patio opened up to the window of this lady's room. So they had the idea, maybe we could bring our table outside and we could invite her to join the Seder. She could open her window and at least we could, we could be mishtatev, we could join together from a distance. And she accepted the invitation. She was happy to be able to, to join up with the family, although they were strangers. And to her pleasant surprise, at the Seder, all of the minhagim, all of the customs that were very unique that she had in her family, that she celebrated together with her husband for more than 40 years, and the exact melodies for every part of the Haggadah, this random family in Lakewood had the exact same minhagim and the exact same nagunim. And she was blown away. It felt like home. It brought back this nostalgic feeling of being together with friends and family. And she felt this tremendous closeness with these strangers. She found out later that what the family did is as soon as they invited her to their house, they contacted her sons who were living, some in Lakewood, some in different parts of the country. And they had conversations with each one of the sons asking them, what were the menhagim of your family? What were the melodies? What did you sing for Chargadio? What did you sing for Avadim Hayinu? And can you please send us recordings? And they actually worked Ba'amelus for about a week and a half before Pesach. It sounds like there was as much prep, if not more, in getting ready for this Seder than there was the cleaning of the house and the cooking for Pesach. But they, by the time Pesach came, they had a mastery of all of her minhag. Why did they take the time to do this? 
Did it really make a difference? And the answer is it made a tremendous difference because she felt, she felt at home. She felt embraced. It felt natural. It felt familiar. Realizing that every second of life is, is definitive. This part of my existence will be part of the framework of who I am forever. Says Rav Chaim Freeland, if we have that outlook, if we have that perspective, then we could be Mekayim the mitzvah of Bechart of Bechayim. During these last six months, when the world was pretty much paused and so much was on hold, I think many of us had the feeling of this is a, you know, kind of a break, a break in the schedule. There's downtime. Uh, everyone had their own challenges. Some had to deal with the struggles of isolation. Others had to deal with the challenges of having many young kids at home and working out Zoom meetings and getting the kids to class. Everyone had their unique struggles. One thing that has been very impressive in the Torah world, and we saw this with Torah Academy, with the administration and leadership coming out ready to go on Zoom and all of the Rebbeim and Moros and teachers sacrificing time and energy to make sure that it would run as smoothly as possible. But it's not just here in Boca, it's really throughout the entire Olam HaTorah, we saw a sense of energy that although the world is shut down right now, although nothing seems to be normal, and although I can't have a simcha with hundreds of people, we can't make a wedding like we had before. My bar mitzvah bachar's reading is laning just for his family with no friends or extended family. That we're okay with. It's not easy, but that will get over. But the one thing that we were not able to accept that we had no tolerance for was that the limud ha-Torah should stop. I heard from David Shustel recently, one of the great Rosh Yeshiva in Lakewood. He said, because of this energy, because of this sense of responsibility on behalf of Klal Yisrael, during the time where everything else was closed, but we were open, if it was through Zoom, if it was through learning on the phone with the Chavrusa, we kept on going. He said, that will stand as a great schus for the entire Am Yisrael in the Yom Hadin. But where does that come from? It comes from a realization that there's no such thing as downtime. I'm not just waiting to get to my next destination and in the meantime, I could just put everything on hold. We don't believe in killing time because killing time is killing life because life is made out of time. A good friend of mine, Rabbi Avi Goldman, shared with me an interesting insight that he had as he was on a plane. He was walking down the aisle on the plane, and he was just looking over to see what people were doing. And you have many people who look professional, like business people, but probably out of 240 people on that plane, you had six people who looked like they were doing work, and everyone else was just either watching a movie or playing a game of some sort. And he was curious, how do they feel comfortable just kind of passing these hours uh, wasting time you know they probably have so much to be doing that everyone has a busy life but his insight was and i think it's very true when we're on a plane we somehow view that as a break right now we're not in place a we're not in place b we're traveling we're not yet at our destination 
and therefore what I'm doing right now doesn't really make that much of a difference. Says Ruchayim Friedlander, there's no such thing as dead time. Every moment in life makes all the difference in the world. What happens is the vibrations of the assumed future can deafen the song of the present. Often we feel there's no rush to infuse the moment with raw, intense emotion. We suppose the future will present plenty more opportunities. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg didn't live looking forward to what will be next. He understood, right now is my opportunity to define who I am forever. Rabbi Yoel Goldberg shared with me that he remembered his father when the family would get together. If it wasn't a simcha, it wasn't a milestone, just the family being together on a Shabbos, he would be able to absorb and appreciate and almost become intoxicated by the moment, by the feeling, by the energy, by the love, by the overwhelming pride and pleasure that he had in his family and his children, to the point where it brought him to tears. Uh, the old mantra that men need to live and create, live to the point of tears, is something that Rabbi Goldberg did and something that he taught all of us. The miracle of life is something that's beyond comprehension. Biological life is totally supernatural and miraculous. And we daven a Kaddish Baruch who should shower us with shefa and bracha and parnasa and good health and everything that we need for ourselves, for our family, for the community, for Kalal Yisrael. But our ikar motivation, our main goal during a series and Yom Kippur is a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we want to live, we want to live spiritual existence, we want to live that vitality of the neshama, we want to fulfill the mitzvah of to keep on growing, help us keep on wanting more. Nothing stands in the way from our continuous desire to grow. HaKadosh Baruch should be mevarech, the Goldberg Mishpacha, and continue giving vimsiyat to infusing them with the Nechama and the Betachon, and being a source of tremendous Nachas to Rabbi Goldberg, and he should continue being a Melet Yotzer for the Mishpacha, for the Boka community, and for all of Am Yisrael. We should share in Suros Tovos as a community and as a nation. Thank you so much for this opportunity.